Hey! Let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes, yeah, dinner's on soon, and to get ready for, ready for, peanut butter and jams. You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with host Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9, exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and the weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Oh! Oh, yeah! And welcome. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams. I am one of your hosts, Jordy, and with me, as usual, is Brenda. Hello. We have lots to talk about this show um, because Brenda just got back from Austin. When I say just, I mean, what, you got back like two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, What were you there for, Brenda? I was there for South by Southwest, which is a music festival. And it's a pretty great musical because it takes, sorry, music festival. It takes over the entire city and every bar, every building is a bar and every bar has a venue and maybe a second room and then maybe uh, an alleyway. Yeah, it's kind of like what, for as a Vancouver equivalent goes, it's kind of like if Music Waste was actually every bar in the city instead of. Yeah, except just in being Austin, like a small part of town. Like the downtown just goes bar, 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 bar. Like it's not full of like you know. There's have no to, gaps between them. There's no gaps, and it's like a huge chunk of the city. And then you have companies, and it is quite commercial at this point. But companies just take every coffee shop and every back alley, and they just like build stages everywhere and create new venues. And so there's pop up venues everywhere. Yeah, that sounds um, awesome and. I wish that it was so it was that easy to have pop-up venues in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk more about uh, what Brenda did there, um, the food she had there, the drink she had there, mm-hmm. a really fun experience she had, or interesting, I'm not sure which, yep. that she's told me to ask her about. Um, we're also going to talk, we're gonna, we've got a lot of topics, and we might not get to all of them this show. Um, but if we don't, we'll try and do them next show. Um, we also wanted to talk about... Um, uh, Vancouver Chinatown and China Chinese food in general, um, and um, the Pizza Wars, the Vancouver Pizza Wars, and legalizing drinking in public, which maybe will tie into the Austin conversation in some ways because uh, this is currently something that uh, is being considered in BC right now. Um, but before we do that, let's just um, since we're talking about an out of town sort of event, let's go with uh, "Fell in Love with New York" by the Zolas. You said you bumped into one of the Zolas while you were there. Yes, the Zolas were in Austin. Did they have a good show? Uh, I actually didn't see them, mm-hmm. but uh, yes, I'm sure they did. They put on a really good live show. All right. Well, this is um, off of their new EP, "Wino Oracle." Um, and it's, this song is called Fell in Love with New York, but they're from here. You're always surrounded, you're always alone. I fell in love with New York cause I wanna atone. I'm talking to strangers now and I bounce over the rail. I fell in love with New York where I'm boys for sale.
interested in indigenous issues? Do you get ticked off with ongoing colonization? Do you have something to say? Or do you want to learn more? We have just the thing. Join UBC's first ever Indigenous Radio Collective at CITR Radio Unceded Musqueam Territories. Our show, Unceded Airwaves, airs every Monday from 11 to 12 and we meet from 12 to 1 to plan our upcoming shows. We're interested in content covering various things from film to literature, current day politics, history, whatever you want to talk about, we're into it. Everyone welcome Indigenous and non-Indigenous. And welcome back. That was uh, Fell in Love with New York by the Zolas. Has a nice tropical Very feel. Very catchy. Yeah. We liked it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. We both liked it. Um, okay, so let's talk Let's talk often. Um, Brenda, you said you had um, an exciting slash interesting time at a show that you wanted to tell me about. I did. So I went to see this... Um, sometimes you just go and you're trying to chase shows and chase bands and then mm-hmm. you kind of have to, sometimes you can't get in. So sometimes you just camp out and we'd kind of run out of ideas. So we're like, let's go to cheer up Charlie. So there's an outdoor venue and then a smaller sort of house mm-hmm. maybe with a small bar in it and bathroom. And we were looking through the windows and there are these women and one of them had glasses and these huge hair rollers and uh, they looked a little burlesque and they're doing grand. Um, Did you look like someone from the B-52s or something? Um, no, like hair rollers, like someone who had put their oh. hair in curlers. Okay. But they were supersized curlers. So it was kind of like, it was very performance arty, all of okay. it. So these big, like clear curlers attached to her head. And uh, yeah, very burlesque. Um, coordinated dance movements um one one set where the music kind of bled in and there are lots of costume changes anyways a woman called boyfriend who's actually a teacher and the music was very um very feminist and very uh, sometimes aggressive it was really 
really good. And uh, by the end, uh, she stood up. Oh, yeah, and she got her her women to shave her legs and armpits on the stage. Like, it was really interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So at the end, she's like, and I was at the Cupcake place, Hey Cupcake, this afternoon, and they were so good. And she said, and she's like, the icing was so creamy. I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if everyone at the show tonight could have a cupcake? So she says, so I bought you all cupcakes. And she, there were platters, and then these platters of cupcakes. And she says, there's enough for everybody here, so just be patient. And then all these platters of cupcakes came floating around the crowd. That's a that's an old Andy Kaufman trick. Is it? Um, yeah, he's he does a in like one of his more famous shows in New York. He did a bit where he's like, "Oh man, my mom's like chocolate chip cookies are the best," and he like does a little spiel about them. And he's like, "But wouldn't it be nice if everyone had? Mm-hmm. What I wish I could give you all one of them." And then like someone who I can't remember whether it was actually his mother or an actor pretending to be his mother comes on stage and brings out chocolate chip cookies for everyone in the audience wow like homemade ones and that's uh, good yeah that's really cool that yeah people are still t- i think it's a really nice like surprise to see at a, at a performance yeah it it was a it was a highlight and so then then she says so take the cupcake and raise a toast with your cupcake and then find someone sexy next to you and feed them and then she started <laughs> throwing cupcakes her and the other two women that were performing just started grabbing cupcakes and throwing them and little bits of cupcakes were just f- spread spraying all over the air and i came out of there and i had like icing so on was, my dress was it like a food fight yeah oh wow and like, a, like a tv like, food fight yeah yeah but the goal wasn't to no to like hit people it was to spray cupcakes and yeah so you can see there's actually a video on youtube if you search cheer up charlie's boyfriend and mm-hmm. you can see scenes of like at the end where there's just like bits flying in the air and everyone ended up covered in cupcakes that sounds awesome yeah that sounds super like, i love when uh performers kind of go to try and like put a little bit of magic and spectacle into their show instead of just like going up and being like, "This is my song." So good, and I was kind of hungry, so I just <laughs> you got to eat. Some I cupcakes. just sat there and I just ate my entire cupcake. You didn't have <laughs> someone feed you the cupcake? No, no. I just stayed in my nice little bubble <laughs> and I ate this like probably the best chocolate chip cupcake with cream cheese icing, and it was so good. Well, that sounds nice, too, because then, like, you didn't waste any of it, which is, like, the one thing I that bothers me about food fights, mm-hmm. that they're so, so wasteful. But yeah, so if she comes here, really fun. you need to go see her, because it was, it was, yeah. All right, cool. It was quite a show. We saw lots of amazing women performers, like Peaches, mm-hmm. another food, yeah. food tie-in, Peaches. Yeah, she also plays Vancouver pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. I've seen her here multiple times. Yeah, so go see Peaches, and then some lots of other lots of other good stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds great. Um, what's else? What else happened in Austin? Um, you said that you went to a place called Blue Owl Brewing that was pretty exciting. We did. Tell yes. tell us about it. Why was it exciting? So I went with correspondent Rob Catherell, and he did some research and picked out a couple of restaurants. Mm-hmm. in the goal of having at least two nice meals on the trip. And one of those things was a fishmonger. So we went to this lovely fish restaurant and had a beautiful, quiet patio full of fish and seafood. And then across the street was... So it was, it's like, a, did they sell fresh fish or did they sell like cooked fish? Um, there was a there was a fish place, like one side was a restaurant, mm-hmm. like, a, yeah. like a seafood restaurant. And the other side was like a... A place that just sold fish if you wanted to take some home? Like a fish counter, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we walked in, and then they, the guy was super friendly and talking all about fish, and we talked about where we got the fish, and and he, like, yeah, under the ice was, like, these massive fish, and then he showed us pictures of, like, him fishing pictures with big fish, which cool. was really great. They were super nice and friendly. And then we sat in the patio and ate a whole bunch of fish. Mm-hmm. And some was from the Gulf of Mexico, and some was shipped in. But yeah, lots of it was just from the from the bay, not too far away. Are there? Would you say it's kind of comparable to like the fish market or something like that in Vancouver, um, where there's like a restaurant portion? And I mean, although the fish market is not 
On Main Street? Yeah, on Main Street. Um, the, it, it's not like a full sit-down restaurant. They do have a lovely taco bar. and. Yeah, yeah, same same kind of thing. Cool. With a little market on the side. Not a market, just like a counter, mm-hmm. like a fish counter. And then the, the restaurant was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so then we went to the brewery across the street, and the amazing thing about this brewery was it was all sour mash brewery. Mm-hmm. And you love sour mashes. I love sours. Mm-hmm. Sours are my favorite beers, especially right now. It may never go away. Probably next year I'll want something different. But um, you get on the new beer trend. Yeah, it's like cute and lovely. Uh, the interesting thing was that they weren't allowed to sell beer in that area of town. Like as at a all? brewery, yeah. So they sold us two glasses. So you bought the glass for fifteen dollars, and then you got four fills for free. Oh, so just four beers? Yep. That sounds nice. Yeah. So, but the bylaw was that so they actually could give away beer for free as much as they wanted. Mm-hmm. So you buy the glass, and then you get your free beer. Weird bylaws. Yeah. That um, there's so many um different ways that people try and like that that people have to do things to get around liquor laws i feel like it's overregulated here as well mm-hmm. um, but let's talk more about blue owl before we get into that yeah and you just wish there could be flexible regulation that achieves goals so that you don't need to you don't need to always like have workarounds mm-hmm. it just seems i don't know it's very nanny state-ish which is mm-hmm. like you want people to you want people to contribute to the community, the economy, and the social life of their neighborhoods. And so why are you making it hard? You know, you want it to be safe, but why mm-hmm. are you making it hard? Yeah, I, it's just a lot of people who have very, I don't know, uptight attitudes about, about alcohol and people's ability to make responsible decisions around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's very silly. I... Do we want to talk about this now? We could talk about the um, Vancouver um, or slash BC um, now and then, then come back to Blue Owl. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, so there was an article in the Vancouver Sun recently um, about how they are the BC provincial government is considering um, allowing booze in public such as parks, um, certain streets, uh, maybe for festivals and things like that, where if you go to the park, you don't have to brown bag it. You can just enjoy a beer. Um, Seems like a really great, really great idea. um, idea. Very European. Yeah, very European. I think that um, the the models for it is based on uh, places like... uh, think Copenhagen or oh sorry no the the article says that um in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park um and or uh, some parks in Quebec and then also places like New Orleans Vegas or Savannah Georgia where they have these sorts of things um Vegas really yeah Vegas you can um buy a beer and walk down you can buy a beer and walk down the street even to the fact that the all the casinos apparently have some sort of agreement where you can just take your glass out of the casino and walk down the street and then put it down somewhere else in like some other casino and they'll collect it and they just redistribute them as they go. I like that. <laughs> um, wow. This is something a friend of mine who Cooperation. Um, had, was there for some sort of bachelor party or something discovered. And was hmm. like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and But right now, uh, British Columbia uh, is looking into into uh, making this a lot easier to do in Vancouver and they are um, if you happen uh, so they're considering doing one of these sorts of things maybe making um, kind of like liquor approved zones where it's like yes you can drink in this park and it's not a big deal maybe Stanley Park maybe just general parks dude chillin park maybe dude chillin park um, it's like these are places that you can have a beer and as long as you're not um so intoxicated that you are a public nuisance like if you're not over consuming then it's it's the same um then it's as if you were drinking in your home or uh at a at a picnic where there aren't police around and you just happen to 
be drinking, which is, I think, that's something that lots of people do anyways, but they would stop having to hide things when some cops came by or mm-hmm. park rangers or whatever. Yeah, I was just uh, looking in the article that you sent me from the Vancouver Sun, mm-hmm. um, and it was talking about how having alcohol in parks was something that was already allowed um, that municipalities could apply to the province for certain streets or parks to be um, open for liquor and just no one applied or no one has in 40 years no one's done it so I found that really interesting and there's mm-hmm. this quote saying that either cities are not interested or no one actually knows about this rule I think it's more that um, cities are unwilling to take the liability risk or um, because there isn't some sort of support or um, network in place for it. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, so this is apparently something that ha- already exists has and has existed in BC since the 70s, um, but no one has ever been... No one, no one in BC has ever done it in any park in BC or public space. But there's this rule that allows it to um, to come into a place. Um, but it has to come from the city, so it's not like someone else can apply for it for mm-hmm. a festival or an event. Uh, but they were talking about maybe doing it uh, BC wide, um, but there is currently laws that allow it at at the municipal level. So if you if you are excited about this idea, um, I would recommend getting in touch with either your MLA, um, which is the provincial government representative in your area, or um, city councillors or mayors in your town. And um, those are two different avenues that you could work towards to um, just making our cities a lot more civilized and having being able to Mm-hmm. Have a glass of wine at a picnic, or it's pretty nice. Um, just having, just hanging out with friends and having having some beers in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, talking of beers, we were talking about Blue Owl Brewing, and you said that you had had they do they do. Um, we're leaping back to Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that they did a lot of brewing of uh, sour mashes. Is that entirely what they do? Yeah, that's entirely. So, you know, you usually go to a brewery and there's one sour on the list. And if here that. here it was all sours. Mm-hmm. And they'd been inspired by a small brewery that also was all sours just mm-hmm. out of Austin on a farm. Mm-hmm. But we didn't make it there. Um, they also had some special brews. Uh, so where... Um, um, just before, you, while you're looking those up, could you explain what a sour mash is as best you understand it? What is a sour mash? A sour mash has, um, it's a specific type of yeast uh, that has a a sour taste Mm -hmm. that produces a sour tasting beer or tart tasting beer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, often people who don't like beer may enjoy sour because it tastes a bit more like a cider. Yeah, kind of like a tart cider. Yeah, not, yeah. Not like a sweet cider. Definitely tart and... um, yeah, I really like sour flavors, so that's pretty exciting. Um, they had a bunch of, yeah, special beers. Oh, yeah, sorry. So sour, this type of brewing started in Belgium, and it's when they had sort of open fermenting barrels mm-hmm. so that the yeast would actually fly in from uh, the apple orchards mm-hmm. in Belgium and land just naturally through the air land in the thing so that it would continue to ferment and then take on this flavor and it's recently become a fad in north america Mm -hmm. um so different type of yeast but also the yeast continues to ferment for a longer time sometimes in the bottle or in the cask so it's um more of a dynamic process than Mm -hmm. your average beer where it sort of the yeast happens in one process and then stops uh great uh what was particularly noteworthy about the stuff at Blue Owl that you had? Hmm. Well, yeah. So they had a bunch of different beers and they had some pretty, um, yeah, pretty sort of normal sours. So there's like a red and then a white sour and then Mm -hmm. uh, like a dark, so a dark sour. And then they had a sour cherry stout. 
and a sour red ale. Sorry, just a sour session wheat. So basically most of the types of brews with sours, but then mm-hmm. they had some special ones where they'd put extra ingredients into into the keg or whatever to take on new flavors. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that, um, I don't know, I hope if you happen to be a brewer, check it out. Maybe you can start doing it in Vancouver mm-hmm. a little bit more. And there's lots of sours to taste here in Vancouver, so... Yeah, there are some great sours. I particularly like everything for... Every sour Four Winds has put out, and I also have really liked most of the sours from Brass Neck as well. So. Mm-hmm. It is really early in the season, so the last time I went to Brass Neck, they said they had none, uh, no sours left because there's their fruit ran out, mm-hmm. so... Um, they make them as long as they have the fruit to make them. Yeah, so as uh, spring comes along, there should be a few more... Um, yeah, if they ever put something on the board called the Changeling, I would recommend getting it. It's usually different. They use a different type of fruit every time they make it, but it's their sour, and they've done um, black currants, raspberry, raspberries, elderberries, cherries, grapes, um, peaches, apples, all, all sorts of different incarnations of fruit, which they, I think, use the same brewing process but with a different fruit. Each time, so it ends up having very different flavors every time you have it. And it's an excellent, excellent sour. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking a lot. Yeah, uh, let's play some music. Let's play some music. Uh, so you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Um, this is Peanut Butter and Jams. I'm Jordy. I'm Brenda. And we're going to play you a song by Ace Martins. This is a hot track, top secret, that we just got from one of the members of the band who is also a CITR staff member and sometimes peanut butter and jam correspondent, Sarah. Um, the song is called Baby Blue and it's off their new uh, EP. Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Which is a cassette that's gold sparkle. It has gold sparkles. It's real pretty. Mm-hmm. appear to be having some technical difficulties with this song. Let's give it another go.
to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim-speaking Musqueam people. Tune into Post Rock, Friday from 10 to 11, with your host, John P., for the best in post rock, drone, ambient, experimental, and noise. And uh, congratulations to John P. for winning the Prime Cuts Award. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had an AGM yesterday, and we gave out a ton of awards to recognize our volunteers. And uh, he won one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, moving on. Um, that was a. I'm really sorry about the uh, the song kept stopping and starting, um, but that was. Uh, but we eventually played it all the way through. That was "Baby Blue" by the Ace Martins off of their brand new um, EP "Palm Springs." Um, there's there's a little. It doesn't matter. You don't care. You're you. The song got played. It's a great song, and you should go out and listen to the rest of the album when it's available, or buy it. You should buy it. Mm-hmm. Get the cassette. Yeah. If you have a cassette player. I found my little Walkman from the 90s the other day in my room. Have you been playing? No, because the, the batteries aren't, there's no batteries. Oh, well, maybe. But maybe I do soon. have a little stash of tapes, um, which is pretty good, including a history of jazz course that I took where I have all these clips of jazz music. That sounds neat. Not going to throw those away. Anyways, anyways. Uh, so Jordy's been trying out a new neighborhood to do his shopping. Can you tell us a bit about that, Jordy? Um, I don't live near here, but I do work near Chinatown, and I've been—I came across this in my quest to um, try and reduce waste um, as part of, like, um, as I've been saying, me and my wife uh, Darcy, also peanut butter and jams correspondent, have been. Um, attempting to reduce our waste in the kitchen down to zero we haven't hit zero but we've really managed to cut a lot out and a big portion portion of this um, was finding a way to eat uh, meat without buying it in styrofoam packaging Um, the solution it turns out is to um, go to a butcher instead of going and get your meat instead of getting any meat at the grocery store and getting them to fill your some sort of container um, with it. And so we went to Windsor for a couple weeks to do this. But Windsor, well, they have great quality and really nice cuts of meat is not the cheapest place to shop at. Um, So I was looking for other options um, because I wanted to find something. I'm an economical man. And um, so I started looking at Chinatown's butchers. And Chinatown has great butchers. Um, there's two that I've been going to. One is Topper's Poultry, which does only chicken. Hmm. Um, well, I think they do Cornish game hens. If you want a Cornish game hen, they have those as well. But they mostly just do chicken. And the other is a place called Budget Meats, which is just across the street from Topper's Poultry. And they do pork and duck and Chinese sausages and I don't know about you, Brenda, but I eat Chinese sausages in, like, probably half the meals I really? make at home. Yeah, I eat them 
all the time. Sorry, this was before you discovered this butcher or this after? This was before, but I could only find them in um, Chinese sausages, for those who don't know. Yeah, please tell me. Are like basically a Chinese version of salami that is usually um, thinner, like much smaller. It's like the size of a pepperoni stick, um, but also much sweeter um, than... Uh, than like a, a traditional like Italian or European style salami might be. Um, so uh, they're uh, they're really not they're used a lot in Asian cooking. I usually use them in stir fries, but I've also started using them in things like um, roast vegetables. I'll toss them in with that, or uh, what what did I put them in? Pizza. They're good on pizza. And is it the same texture and density? It's the, it's the same texture. As a salami? It's the same um, density, but because of their shape, they end up having slightly different textures. Usually you cut them a bit thicker because they are so narrow um, composed compared to a salami, which is like quite uh, fat. Like uh, um, A salami might be like, like five or six centimeters across, whereas... Um, a Chinese sausage is usually like one centimeter across. Mm. So like a, about the width of a hot rod or something like that. And um, <coughs> I got to the mic in time to stop my sneeze from going out over the airwaves. Um, and uh, But I had been trying to find these and most of the time, traditionally I've seen them only in, uh, in like these prepackaged things that come in from china um you can get them at tnt you can get them at most um asian produce stores in town and some grocery stores have them as well i know iga had carried them and i assume that other major grocery chains also sometimes carry them at least um but they were like a big staple of my family's diet and i was when we were trying to go zero waste this is they come in like these, it's not a huge amount of plastic, but it's still like some plastic wrapping that we were trying to cut out. And um, in Chinatown, you can get them, and they just have them hanging on hooks. Um, all attached? All attached, just on One string. Long string. And just on a string. So you can just come in and be like, I would like four, and then, or, oh, and, that's and they'll just grab four off the shelf. They charge you by weight. And, and Pancake can eat the end and go running out no of the way. store. No way. It's, the end's good. The end's good too. You don't <laughs> give that to the dog. No, no. I mean the long string where like oh. the dog grabs the meat oh, and it yeah. runs out the door. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that would be a good comic. Yep. Comedy. I, uh, yeah. Um, but they sell them without packaging, so I, that was really exciting for me to find. So I didn't need to cut. And fresh too. Yeah, and fresh. Yeah. And they have different kinds, um, which um, you can actually talk to. I mean, I will admit that the conversation with these butchers is not always, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're very succinct conversations because of language barriers. Usually mm -hmm. I don't speak Cantonese or Mandarin. I don't know which language these butchers speech speak, but it's one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so we have very stilted conversations where I would say, I would like some Chinese sausage. And they say, would you like regular or lean? Except they say regular or lean and then i say regular because mm -hmm. um, uh, that's all that, that that's all they know but they're they're very like fresh so your shopping is faster yeah shopping is very fast there and you go. Um, the prices are the prices are good and they also have like great access to pork and duck and like you can get lots of um interesting cuts uh that are more asian in style like if you ever want to get a chicken with its feet still on go to toppers Chicken feet. They, um, you can also just get a big thing full of chicken feet. There, when I'm there, sometimes there's um, old Chinese ladies who are also shopping, and they sometimes will just buy a big bag full of chicken feet um, that I don't, uh, I don't know what I would want a big bag full of chicken feet for. But if I knew, if I did want them, I have eaten chicken feet in the past at Chinese restaurants, and I do not love it. I, no, they're they got no they got no meat on them i don't know what the appeal is but mm -hmm. um but if you want them that's where you get them chicken feet but yeah so this is kind of like um gotten me to start exploring other aspects of chinatown there's a place called uh uh 
Camy Dim Sum, which sells frozen dim sum. And they also sell, if you go on, on lunch, they also sell um, just steamed dim sum. And they have a steamer. There's like one little steamer where they make some of the stuff that they they make themselves. Like they make all the products themselves and then sell them out of here. So it's all like really um, like home cooking dim sum. Um, as home cooking as dim sum gets, I guess. But if you want to have dim sum dishes in your house, like you can go there and you can just get, um, they have sticky rice, they have like um, chashu pork buns. Um, uh, they have like a sumai, they have uh, shrimp dumplings and stuff like that. So you can get all these things and then just steam them and get them deliciously. And they're really good and they're really cheap if you go there yourself and you just happen to want a pork bun like i do want one yeah now <laughs> now i'm I sorry I, now i should have brought some that's all right uh, but maybe maybe sometime in the future i will i will get mm-hmm. some so sausage pork buns any yeah. other things that you're discovering um i've been getting lots of chicken from there too it's just i eat a lot of chicken at home because it's uh it's healthy it's relatively cheap mm-hmm. um, and chinatown's the neighborhood is changing a lot. The neighborhood is changing a lot. And actually, I take issue with an article um, that was in the Vancouver Sun recently that was about um, how uh, the neighborhood is revitalizing. And then they talked about all these like great places that you could go. And all the places they talked about were these like, fancy new like hipster restaurants. And like it's I mean, those places are fine, but, like, they're not the exciting part of Chinatown. The exciting part of Chinatown is all these, like, ethnic places that are serving the Chinese community that you just have to go in and, like, like you can get great deals. The food's super good. It's really good quality. And, I mean, it's yeah, it's in a part of town that is really poor. Um, and so... I don't know, some people don't like that, but like I don't really like going to the super sanitized, cool places where I can buy a $10 plate of pork buns. I want like I want to go to a dim sum place and get the three real. pork three pork buns for $3 sort of thing. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Um so that's like those are the parts of Chinatown that I think are worth saving, not um not these new places not that they're all bad some of them are i've, I've eaten at some of them and some of them are, are good but like they're not the the thing that like people should be excited about they should be talking about like the these places like toppers poultry and camway and uh new town the hidden gems yeah, the boss the boss bakery that's a good place too hmm. okay it's time to get myself down to chinatown yeah um so yeah that's my uh that's my chinatown story Oh, and there's this blog, actually. There's one more thing. If you are interested in cooking Chinese food at home, there's this blog that I discovered that's really good at reverse engineering. Brenda's giving me this look. <laughs> I just love the website name. Um, yeah. This, uh, I, I, that, we're going to share it on our Facebook yeah, page. It's called The Walks of Life. The Walks of Life. And it's run by these people who are, from as far as I can tell, they seem to be fairly westernized Chinese people who are attempting to get in touch with their food roots and and, and reverse engineering how to make a lot of traditional Chinese dishes, stuff like cumin lamb, chashu pork, um, bao. <laughs> There's a scream happening in the studio next to us. I hope it's not going out on the air. But <laughs> well, I think it, maybe it's a radio documentary. Um and uh but they so like lots of really traditional chinese uh uh dishes um that they're working out how to make stuff that they grew up with um at chinese restaurants but now they're trying to work out how they can make them at home and like so these recipes get preserved and if you are they look good yeah if you are the sort of person who loves chinese food i would totally recommend checking this website out it is really good and it is called the walks of life dot com and the walk walks of course is spelled w o k s i have a walk i need to try some of these out yeah um it's uh everything on there looks super delicious and uh it's a really really great blog mm-hmm. good food photography too yeah actually it's really nice really pretty mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, should we play a song? Yeah, we should play a song. People have heard me babbling long enough. No, no. We're a half talk show. We're half a talk show. That's true. Yeah. I feel like this show, we've been three quarters of a talk show. We've played two songs. <laughs> um, what would you like to hear, Brenda? Oh, I can't see that far. Um, um, what from the songs that we listened to before the show, from your memory? Uh, let's play the Aura Kogan, and she's in a band called Fortress, and they just put out a new album. Yeah, uh, Fortresses. Fortresses. Um, this is their self-titled EP and or album. I think it's more of an EP, uh, if I remember correctly. It's more of like five or six songs. Uh, but this song is called To Bring You My Love, and it's um, from their self-titled EP. Uh, so Fortresses, check this out. And uh, that was Fortresses, uh, To Bring You My Love, off their self-titled EP. And um, uh, we won't have time to get into the Pizza Wars, but we're going to try and do, we're going to try and talk about that in two weeks, um, mm-hmm. perhaps with more experts around. I like uh, experts. I do know some people who uh, followed the Pizza Wars closely. Um, yeah, this was news to me. And then yeah, Jordy this... was about to launch into an oration in my office. And I said, stop, stop. 
Save it for the radio. Save it for the radio, but we'll, yeah, we'll this do is that a, next this week. Is, this is a reference to um, a time of um, pizza businesses attempting to have the cheapest, most economical slice in Vancouver that happened in, uh, say, the sometime between the early 2000, early to mi- mid-2000s. And they're kind of like now, now we live in a time of thin crust pizza and everyone's willing to just buy a whole pizza instead of the, the slice and the slices are for the most part um there's still some competition out there but it's not like it was back in the day when it was the wild west cutthroat yeah so but we'll talk about it we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks time mm-hmm. um uh but uh we wanted to talk about a local music institution that is has shuttered its doors uh it's a sad sad time yeah. The Railway Club. The Railway Club is shutting closed. its doors. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver Music Institution. Or kind of a old Vancouver Music Institution that stopped being a Vancouver Music Institution. Or, or at least it was just kind of more of a historical place as opposed to... I don't remember there being lots of shows there in the last... No, it definitely, um, under new management, became a place that was... Uh, that lost its music institutionness. Hmm. Um, that wasn't easy to book shows and placed less emphasis on quality and more emphasis on making money in that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, was a losing business proposition. Yeah, in the eighties, though, it was uh, like was when it first was kind of um, like I remember like the Tragically Hip played there. Katie Lang played there. Um, like Shindig was there for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. a really long time. Um, and you knew when you went, like when you were downtown on Granville Strip and it was full of crappy clubs, you knew that you could go to the railway and have a good time and the mm-hmm. band was going to be good. Or if the band was bad, you could sit in the back room and yeah. just have a beer and chat with your friends. But usually the bands were good. Yeah, usually they were. So, And it became a place where people of all ages and people after work and people in suits and people not in suits where, where everybody would just show up and it didn't really matter what was playing because you knew you were going to hear something good or mm-hmm. decent and then that totally went downhill. Yeah, I, there was a management change and the management kind of um, had some i'm not really sure about the details so i'm not going to say too much about it but i know they had some disagreements with the staff from the previous management and then those staff went out and started a bar called a brewery called off the rails which is a great brewery um in uh hastings sunrise if you um yeah right across from bomber yeah if you want to check it out that's where a lot of the old railway staff ended up so go say hi and drink a beer um but when they left i kind of stopped going around that time and um i know that citr stopped having shindig there and there was just a lot of i don't know there was less less and less reasons to go there and then apparently they were trying to sell it for the last couple months and no one uh no one emptied up yeah no one found a buyer um there's rumors that maybe the rent was really high Mm -hmm. is the reason that they closed but uh yeah they've closed their door so it's a yeah sad sad time mm-hmm. for venues in Vancouver. Yeah, um, apparently there there might be some sort of sale of some of the memorabilia um, that people were talking about on some some of my friends who used to go to the railway club mm-hmm. a lot were talking about that on Facebook. Um, the Mint Records train, the uh, sorry, the train that has the Mint Records um, car. Oh, on it that would go around the venue. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that was the greatest train. It broke. I don't think it's been operational for a while. No, the train still exists, even if it doesn't. Yeah, move for around. sure. I kind of want that train. Um, the Katie Lang poster. Uh, mm, lots of lots stuff. of signed posters. Um, the the men's and women's washroom signs. Uh, lots of lots of cool stuff in that space. That um. I wonder will... if they'll have a closing party, but it's probably too late. I think it's over. They already um, went bankrupt. It sounded didn't like they? they just shuttered the doors and said later. Wow. And uh, it was a rude awakening to anyone who tried to go in for a drink mm-hmm. after that. This happened just like just last weekend, by the way, is what we're talking about. It was my Facebook feed blew up. People awash with the closure of the railway, dis- railway discussions. Mm-hmm. And Ben Lai, the 
The uh, user of the CITR Shindig page has been posting a lot of old Shindig p- uh, pictures of bands on <laughs> Facebook, and so definitely providing some things for people to like and share. Yeah, uh, Ben Lai is uh, giving us a thumbs up. He's on the air later, and it looks like he's setting up for a band to be in studio. Uh, I'm not sure which one, but uh, make sure you stay, you tune back in at 8.30 for Thunderbird Radio Hell. And um, there is also RVF is coming out, a francophone special by CJLY in the Kootenai um, is going to be playing. And um, that's all going to come up in about mm, about 30 to 40 seconds. So mm-hmm. we're just going to play an ad and transition into it. But thanks for listening. Um, this has been Peanut Butter and Jams. Mm-hmm. on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver.